You know, the, uh, the good news of Christmas is so wonderful, you just kind of have to sing about it. And so thank God for great music, uh, for the music that our band prepares for us this season. Um, you know, what would Christmas actually be without, without our Christmas carols, right? I mean, I, it's just hard to imagine, but that's very much a part of the season. And what would you say is the oldest Christmas carol? Um, I suppose if you were, well, if you're thinking about it, you might think uh, Silent Night. But no, that, that's 1816. And uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, well, that was 1739. Or Joy to the World, that was actually 1719. That goes way back. And then, of course, there's Frosty the Snowman, 1950. Frosty the Snowman is not a carol, because, did you hear that? Yeah, a carol is a, is a Christmas song that has a Christian theme, and uh, Frosty the Snowman, uh, you know, it's a wonderful song, but just isn't quite up to par, so we did not sing that this morning, it did not lead us, nor is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Ranger, as much as we love that song, it's not quite up there, the echelon. Um, but actually, the oldest Christmas carol was sung none other than by the mother of the Lord herself. Uh, it's called the Magnificat, which is the first word of her song in Latin, from which we get our word magnify, right? The Magnificat, magnify. My soul magnifies the Lord, uh, says Mary. And so her song is found in Luke chapter 1. To which we now turn. The, uh, the angel has come to, to Mary to tell her of the special child uh, that uh, will come from her womb, and uh, now Mary visits her cousin Elizabeth. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, Mary, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies, magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors." The oldest Christmas carol, the Magnificat, 
The Song of Mary is a true classic. It is famous in the annals of church history. In fact, in some traditions, this song is sung every day during evening prayer. So why is this song so important? Well, of course, it came from the mouth of Mary, the Lord's mother, but it's a song that tells us about who God is and what God cares about. God works in very mysterious and surprising ways to save his people, ways contrary to all expectation. No one was more surprised, I believe, than Mary herself. She was overcome by the fact that the Lord should appoint her, of all people, to the special role in God's plan. She was simply amazed that the Lord would have such high regard for her, given her humble station in life. Mary, after all, was a young peasant girl. She was probably about 14. She was one of the humblest citizens of the village of Nazareth, and Nazareth was just a small little hamlet, you know, a small little town of um, no regard. But the most striking thing about her, Mary, therefore, was her very ordinariness. She was so ordinary. She was not a queen. She was not a princess. She was not the daughter of a of a, a, a leader in government. Uh, she wasn't uh, the daughter of a religious leader. In fact, we don't even know if she was especially beautiful. I mean, virtually every artist paints her as some a beautiful, almost goddess, right? But nobody knows what Mary looked like. And since she was very ordinary, maybe she was very ordinary in her looks. Maybe she was even kind of homely. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. But we can imagine Mary's own inner conversation as the angel Gabriel came to her and told her what she was going to be doing. And, uh, you know, just think, I mean, imagine me, says Mary, imagine me. Of all people, me, I'm so, I'm I'm simple, I, I have nothing to give. And yet you've chosen me to be the mother of the Savior of the world. I mean, can you imagine her inner conversation? So even though she may not have been physically beautiful, she, was, uh, she had a beautiful inner spirit. She was alive to the spirit of God at work in the world. And uh, she was gracious and humble. So when the news came to her after she got over her initial shock, feeling overwhelmed, she said to me, may it be to me as you have said, I am the Lord's servant. That's what she said to the angel. May it be to me, as you have said, here I am, Lord, use me. She was responsive to the will of God. She believed that God was doing a new thing in the world, and it was beginning with her, <laughs> of all people. I mean, imagine that. And all she could do is praise God in a spirit of wonder and gratitude. So we have this song. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. 
Now, this is really strange. If you and I were writing this story, we wouldn't do it this way. How strange of God. If God wanted wealth for his son, he would have arranged it. If God wanted power for his son, then it would have been done. If God had wanted Jesus to be born in the lap of luxury, then uh, God only had to say the word. If God had wanted Jesus to be born in the upper class, he had hundreds of homes from which to choose. If God wanted his son to have an elite education or the proper social connections or any of the other things what we usually uh, associate with success, it would have been done. But God didn't do it that way. And that is the, the wonder of Christmas. This is the cool thing about Christmas. It was so darn unexpected and so strange. By coming to the world as he did, by choosing Mary and being born in the humblest of circumstances, God showed his continuing concern for the little people of this world. All the nobodies who live and love and labor and who suffer and die in obscurity. It was no accident that the announcement of the good news of Jesus' birth came, first of all, to shepherds of all people. Shepherds, the lowest of the low. I mean, they were basically social outcasts. I mean, their job was so menial. They were kind of considered unclean. They had to do their work outside the city gates, you know. In fact, I think some people thought the sheep, which they minded, were more important than they. But they, in effect, were the first missionaries, right? They came to, to Bethlehem, they saw the child, and they praised the Lord, and they told everybody what they had seen and heard. The first missionaries were the lowest of the low, nobodies in the social scale. And so, too, for Mary... She was, in effect, in the eyes of the world, a nobody. So the message of God is clear in this whole story of Christmas, is that God cares especially for nobodies, the hungry and the poor and the weak and the vulnerable. He cares about widows and orphans and those whom others have deemed to be of little worth. God looks with special favor upon those who are overlooked or who are forgotten or who are treated with derision and contempt. And he champions the cause of those who take advantage, the rich who take advantage of the poor, those the rich and the powerful. Uh, you know, he, uh, he dethrones. He would dethrone. In fact, God delights in lifting up the lowly and making somebody of nobodies on the other hand those who think that they are really somebody you know the people who think that uh you know that they are god's gift to humanity those who like to lord it over others and who are so full of themselves that they have no room to care for people or to treat others with the respect that they deserve are brought low and sent scampering away in fact, the second part of Mary's song sounds downright revolutionary. Mary knew her scripture, and she sounds like an Old Testament prophet. So pick up, you know, this part of the song. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. 
He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. So that the Roman oppressors and the Herods of this world and the fat cats and the the powerful movers and shakers who live in the lap of luxury while ignoring the beggars at their gates wouldn't have taken kindly to that kind of song. In fact, Mary could have been arrested for subversive activity. These were actually, Mary's words are dangerous words because they seem to call for a moral and a social and an economic revolution. Threaten the powers that be. In fact, uh, a fellow by the name, name of E. Stanley Jones, who was a very famous Methodist pastor and missionary, called Mary's song, this Magnificat, the most revolutionary document in the world. God's coming into the world sparks a revolution. The kingdom of God coming into the kingdoms of this world and turning every, everything around. It's revolutionary, right? Turns the, value, the moral values of the world upside down in a sense. Nobody's matter. Everybody's a somebody in God's kingdom. And you know that's not necessarily how it is in this world today. But that's the message of the incoming kingdom, which came in Bethlehem and is advancing yet today. This revolution that, that Mary was talking about is not fought with armies, but with deeds of love. So you wouldn't have expected this kind of a song coming from sweet, gentle Mary. It's a revolutionary song. Mary was not dumb. She knew what was going on. In effect, she knows the focus of Jesus' ministry on lifting the lowly and honoring the humble, feeding the hungry, reconciling sinners to God. She knew this even while her son was still in the womb. She knew more than we, what we might think about this special child of hers. She was inspired, after all, by the Holy Spirit. One of the most uh, popular Contemporary Christian songs, Christmas songs, is Mary Did You Know by Mark Lowry. And it's a beautiful song. And uh, I will not sing it to you. I shall spare you my voice. <coughs> but it asks a series of questions. And so maybe even the tune is kind of running through your mind anyway. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would someday walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm a storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kissed your little baby, then you kissed the face of God. The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again, the lame will leap, the dumb will speak, the praises of the Lamb. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule the nations? 
Did you know that your baby boy was heaven's perfect lamb? The sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. Did Mary know all these things? Well, her song would seem to indicate that she kind of did. She kind of got it. She had a pretty good understanding of this miracle that God was carrying out through her. And she was amazed that God would care for the likes of her and for all the other nobodies on the face of the earth. And the proof of that loving concern was Jesus himself. And he offered, she offered herself to God as a servant. Now, you and I know about this baby. Um, we know about this Jesus and the salvation he brings. And we are called to carry on that mission that he's given us. And we are called, we are called to, to care about the things that God cares about. So as servants of God, we too are to care for the poor and for the hungry and for the weak and the vulnerable. We too are to be concerned about the disadvantaged and the downtrodden and the needy. And you know what? You don't have to go looking very far to care about people like that. Uh, you know, you don't have to join the Sisters of Charity and, and travel to Calcutta, India to pick dying people up out of the gutter. You don't have to do that. Uh, I'm thinking of Mother Teresa. You know, she's a saint now. She's been sainted by the, by the Catholic Church. But there's a story. Uh, it seems that, that there was a woman who was really impressed with the work of Mother Teresa uh, who was ministering with the dying in Calcutta. And so this woman who lived a long way from India came to Calcutta and asked Mother Teresa if she could join in the work being done by the sisters. And Mother Teresa said to her, find your own Calcutta. Chances are our Calcutta is right where we live, where we travel day in and day out, our Calcutta, even in Mukilteo, yes, can be our field of mission. Our, our mission field are those, perhaps, most, basic, most basically are the people right around us uh, because we're best equipped to meet their need at that, that opportunity, that point of need. Have we loved our neighbor today? Have we blessed them in some way? Do we even know our neighbors now, who among our family or friends or circle of acquaintances tend to get overlooked and taken for granted? Who among us tends to be kind of invisible? You know, they're just, they're just kind of out in the, in the woodwork. And therefore, they might need some personal attention. I remember my mother uh, was living at uh, the retirement center here at Harbor Point, and uh, she would remark to me how... So, how so many people actually are terribly lonely, especially at this time of year. They never hear from their families, if they have a family. No visits, hardly a Christmas card. You know, tough. Who around us might be hurting or feeling lonely and forgotten? Feelings that are intensified this time of year. Who among us are in the dumps, down in the dumps, and need their spirits lifted? Can we offer them, if we're sensitive to their need, can we offer them an encouraging word 
or a listening ear and a helping hand. In fact, it was Mother Teresa who said, I think quite profoundly, being unwanted, unloved, uncared for, forgotten by everybody, I think that is a much greater hunger, a much greater poverty than the person who has nothing to eat. And you know what? There actually are unwanted, unloved, uncared, forgotten people around us. If we have eyes to see. So God's calling you and me to participate in Jesus' mission, to reach out to nobodies and make them feel like somebodies because they already are beloved by God. God came into the world in Jesus just for those kinds of folks. God shows special concern to them, indeed to all of us. There are so many people who feel like nobodies. But God came into the world of Jesus to turn nobodies into somebodies. Now, we have all been blessed, and we know that God's been good to us. It's very easy for us, actually, uh, well, of course, it depends on where we are in life, but it's fairly easy for a lot of us to sing songs of praise and joy, joy to the world, the Lord's come, and, and uh, you know, we can sing with our lips. But can we, can we praise God? Can we glorify Him? Can we magnify God by doing good deeds in His name? Little things, but good deeds done in His name, caring for those little ones who are so precious to Him. Now, you and I may think, like Mary, we may think that we are unlikely candidates to serve God in a very meaningful way. It's very easy for you and for me to discount our gifts and our talents and our opportunities to serve. We may, in fact, feel, some of us sitting here may feel like there are nobody. But do we believe God or not? Is God not able to make something beautiful of our efforts done in His name? To her credit, Mary believed God. She trusted God to use her in a mighty way. No wonder the church lifts Mary up as being a special person. Um, you know, we Protestants sometimes don't talk about Mary enough. Uh, you know, Catholics got it down, perhaps maybe a little bit too much. <laughs> as, you know, but we hardly, we hardly even talk about Mary. Why is that? She was a model of faith. I mean... She allowed herself to be, she put herself at God's disposal. Here I am, Lord. May it be unto me as you have said. I am your servant. And that's what each of us needs to say. Leaving church today. Mary had a humble, gracious spirit, tuned to the spirit of God in her life. And the song she sings shows that she got it. She knew what God had called her to do, and she did it faithfully. And Mary saw her son through, all through his ministry, and <clears throat> was there till the day he died and beyond. But do we hear the Lord calling our name? And are we attuned to his plan and his purpose for us. Do we understand that we are part of the story that God is writing right now 
in Jesus Christ. How shall you and I respond to that call? Well, may it be like Mary, right? May it be unto me as you have said. Here I am, Lord. I am your servant. Let's pray. <clears throat> uh, Lord, we thank you for uh, the Christmas faith, the incredible faith of Mary. So ordinary, such an unlikely candidate to serve you. She wasn't in a position of power. She didn't hobnob with powerful, rich people. But Lord, uh, she made herself useful to you. So we thank you, and, and so may we follow that model. Respond to you in faith and trust. We pray that your Holy Spirit would work in and through us so that even our little deeds, our small deeds, our ordinary deeds can become extraordinary. Lord, here we are. Send us, use us. May we be your faithful people, not only this time of year, but year-round. Day by day, moment by moment, we give ourselves anew to you. In your precious name we pray these things. Amen.